0: Hey everybody! Bienvenidos, bienvenu, benvenuti, willkommen. welcome to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast. This is episode number 84, and we have an awesome episode for you guys tonight. Per usual, we're going to be doing a league roundup this week. That's right, we have so many games to get through. We're going to be talking about games in the EPL, La Liga, Ligue, 1, all the top leagues in Europe, and joining me. As always, is my colleague, my good friend, Meu Irmão, the real King of Milano the legend, Rui Pereira. Rui, how are you doing tonight? The real King of Milano the legend, Joe.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah, like I think twenty twenty Joe, I think twenty twenty's really hit you because the Am most lying? bizarre things clearly have happened in twenty twenty and you giving me such another week after week after week after <laughs> week uh, a welcoming and such a great introduction joe uh man i don't like i don't know man i like i i keep thinking to myself it's christmas time we're getting to the holiday spirit like i'm gonna have to get you like a few, <laughs> a few pounds of steaks or something a nice tomahawk or whatever it is man i don't know it's like i'll take the welcoming it. every I'll, I'll episode take Someone's got to be wall. your cheerleader, dude. Right? <laughs> well, on Twitter, you're really not my 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 cheerleader. Yeah, the complete in, in the opposite. Group, <laughs> the, the, the group chats, the the, the tweets, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you're you're not really on my side. But in my defense,
0: joking. neither are you. Okay, <laughs>
1: that's so very that true needs to be said. But I'm not the one calling you the king of Torino or Il Vero Bianconero or anything like that. It's like uh, you know, I I, I call it like it is, but Joe, I, I, I get it, man. You you want something for Christmas, maybe <laughs> a nice steak, uh, some fresh pasta, some pineapple pizza. I don't know what you want, but uh maybe maybe I'll surprise you in in a week or so. So but um outside of that, I am doing Fantastic, as always, just trying to grind out through this uh, December month. There's a lot of yeah, football dude. going on right now, man. Until a very short amount of time. Yeah, in a short amount of time uh, in the next week or so. And then the players and the teams, they all go out on a little break for a little bit. So we got a lot of stuff to, 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 to talk
0: about. And it'll be the January transfer window pretty soon, too. Like, Yes, sir. That's be.
1: always a lot of things going on, as always. But yeah, before right? we can get... Before we can get into all that, Joe, how are you doing? I never really get to ask you that on every episode. So I feel like we got to let the audience know, everyone that's
0: listening, how oh, you doing? I'm doing I'm doing fine. I'm just you know what I'm kind of pissed about, though, is that this year, more than any other year, I've relied on the mail for like gifts and stuff. And with the weather we've been having and all that shit, it's pushed all my packages back so I don't know if I'm going to be getting half the <laughs> shit I bought people for Christmas, you know what I mean? So you, you know that's, that's really time. funny. That's that's really funny
1: that you say that because I was lucky because early early this week before the snowstorm, for those of you that don't know that we live in New England, there was a huge snowstorm this week. Uh before the snowstorm hit, I ended up ordering some Milan gear on the Puma website. It was on sale the whole Christmas sale whatever you want to call it. Uh I ended up, you know, taking advantage of that and I got a couple of stuff a, a, a training top and some new Milan uh training pants, you know, getting ready for the winter to do some uh some exercising. I don't know, whatever. You just want to uh,
0: copy me with the tracksuits, that's fine.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll I'll copy you with the tracksuit. So I was able to capitalize on that and they delivered two days later already that's, so that's garbage they, I they beat that. out uh. they beat out the storm i don't know maybe it's the rossonero spirit it's uh, the rossonero work ethic the the desire to deliver it to my front door it's like the champions league i don't know right. but uh <laughs>
0: but yeah they pioli, managed what if pioli like was the guy who delivered it at your I'm door pre- oh what man would you
1: do like you just I, see him he
0: has a hat on Covering I'm his not gonna lie, head. Joe. And he knocked, Joe. knocked on your door. He's like, "Here's your gear." I would offer him
1: the best bottle of wine that I have in my house, and I'll probably massage that head of his because he's <laughs> done. He's done. <laughs> he's done wonders with Milan this year. So, Pioli, if you ever came to my house, man, the door's open for you. There's a bottle of wine waiting for you, and I just might massage the top of your head. I, I that didn't. bald, <laughs> precious head. Uh,
0: I'm glad that you got I'm glad you got your gear. I'm patiently waiting for my gifts for other people to come in. So let's uh fingers crossed on that. But let's get right into this shit, shall we, Rui? Can we talk yes, can sir. we talk EPL first? Let's do it. Alright, so like many people across the world we were looking forward to certain games this past weekend and we were expecting certain games to deliver you know you know surprises and uh, I guess this game kind of delivered a surprise in a bad way it was a snooze fest it was awful and I think that you kind of know where I'm going with this I'm talking about the Manchester Derby this year that was Manchester United versus Man City god I almost fell asleep watching this game but I think Rui had a different take on this, and uh, actually, when you first told me about it, Rui, I was kind of surprised. But it makes sense. Um, tell the tell our listeners what your take on the game was.
1: Yeah, uh, defensive uh, masterclass from both sides, I suppose. Uh, Ruben Diaz, John Stones have really formed this unit in the back uh, going into this game six straight clean sheets in all performances uh men city have really cleaned up their act in the back but their only main big problem is that attacking side that's uh, so
0: weird to say you it know. is it very is very weird so... from the team last year to to now
1: last year the year before that, when they became champions, the year before that, when they were champions. And just over the years, uh, Manchester City is known to be having this attacking threat led by Sergio Aguero. And then, uh, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best in the world. Really? And then all the other supporting cast that follows along with those two. Man City, this season, in the beginning, the, the first... Four or five games that were impeccable on the attack, but it was their defense that was killing them. And then, as I mentioned in the last six games going into this game, they were holding clean sheets. Their, de- their defense was impeccable, but their attack was nowhere to be seen. Gabriel Jesus, a young player. They are without obviously Sergio Aguero, the one of the one of the best foreign players ever playing the EPL. Definitely and, um,
0: definitely top three.
1: Yeah, one just I would say probably
0: best. best top three,
1: top five, however, maybe even the best of all time. Some players, some people actually say that, but he is missing dearly because throughout the years, even when Manchester City were at the, their absolute peak and then they came back down to earth, and then under Pep Guardiola, when they splashed the cash, they were unstoppable. Sergio Aguero has always been there uh he he arrived at man city really young and he's just been that 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 go to guy the face of manchester city and he's he oh, he's been scoring the most memorable goals for that club that one that 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 um that he scored in the late minute to win the 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 EPL back i believe in 2011 or 2012 in the last minute he he's been clutch for this side and they're really missing a player like that they have superstars on the attack, but Gabriel Jesus lately hasn't been in form. He hasn't been capitalizing on the opportunities that he's been receiving. And Manchester City have been paying the price lately because they're all the way in mid table, practically in about ninth place going into this game. And I think they're in eighth right now, you know, currently going on. They just tied to West Bromwich uh, this <laughs> <Yeah>. Wednesday. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's, um, it's a big uh it's a big problem that's going on at Manchester City they're not really able to get this this scoring the the attack game going and it, it, it's a problem you know you, you go into this match after drawing against man uh Manchester United your arch rival and uh, let, let's face it, Man United have been this little bogey team, even in recent years when Man City had been really dominant. Man United have been this bogey team for them. Uh, even when they were winning the trophies and they were winning the league and whatever you want to call it, Man United have been pulling away with victory somehow. But in this game, Man United were impeccable on defense. And the Man City attack, which is something that is really, really... It it, It didn't click, obviously,
0: that game. It didn't didn't click for them.
1: (laughs) It's something that we don't see in the normal Man City side that we've been seeing over the years. Right. And you see this back line of Manchester United. They've been struggling. And this is a game where they played really, really well. In when you look at the game that they played this past week against, uh, in in the middle of the week against Sheffield United, they almost blew that game as well. They let two goals in against Sheffield United. So there's obviously a problem at Manchester City for not being able to score against this Manchester United defense. Juan Basako, who is really good defensively as a fullback, but Lindelof and Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw are really not the best options. They're not the most threatening or... Terrifying uh, defenders that you want to go up against. That's not a, that's yeah. not a defense. That's not a backline you want to go up against. The heavyweights of Europe: Atletico Madrid, oh, Real right. Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. All these, yeah, exact. They'll get torn apart. PSG, for example, as we saw in the Champions League, even then Manchester City weren't able to score against them, and this is a problem that they are having. And since Sergio Aguero hasn't been healthy. It's you, you. You just don't know. It's like Manchester United as a team. You don't know what you're going to get out of this Man City attack. It's like you're going to see brilliance, but then you're also going to see streaks of really poor performances and almost inex. It's like almost an inexperienced style performance, even though you have these world class players around your team, uh, around that, that in uh, basically around the entire uh, pitch, right. Gabriel Jesus and all the other players around him aren't burying these opportunities and it's really hurting them right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, just from, just from watching the game itself, man city had, they, they were creating chances. They created chances, but man, they just didn't have that clinical edge in the final third. They just could not put the ball away. So, I, I mean, do we like y- you mentioned, Manchester United's defense and how unintimidating they are. Do we, do we give them any sort of credit for, for this? For this performance, yeah. I figured we, I figured we should, just because I mean, if you can hold, if you can hold Man City to to a draw, even despite not having Aguero, that's still that's still an accomplishment, especially for the uh, Manchester United team that was fielded. Um, let me uh, let me talk about one other player, really, before before we uh, get ahead of ourselves because I might forget this question. Bruno Fernandes, okay, guy has been performing week in and week out, and I feel like he has the pressure of the team on his shoulders, and he clearly did not get. How can I put this? He he didn't have a great game against Manchester City, but I, I mean, what can you say about the rest of the team? Really, it, it what's going on here?
1: Yeah, so um, just to touch up really quickly on on the last point that you were you were saying, Joe, you have to credit Manchester United's defense. Sure, uh, yep. just the team itself in general—they're so unpredictable. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of a lot of money spent on all these players. Yeah, there is but <laughs> the performance that they played, even without Sergio Aguero. The performance that they had against Man City was impeccable. This is what we've been expecting from Manchester United. Even Aguero aside, you still have to go up against the likes of Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad uh, Mahrez. You have Fernandinho. You have uh, Torres, Rodri, Hernandez. There's just uh, Torres coming off the bench. So many. Bernardo Silva, even though he wasn't really used, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, no, there's so happens. much. There's so much firepower coming from the Man City side that they're expected to score. And Manchester United held their ground. They played really well. Their attack was a little iffy, but if I was Manchester United, I'd be pretty content with this result given the form, given the circumstances, and whatnot. But to go on uh, to to Bruno Fernandes' part, uh, once again, he was obviously the best, arguably the best player for Manchester United in this game. He was the only yeah. player that was very, that was really threatening on the attacking half of the game. I guess you could say Paul Pogba was pretty dominant. You know, Paul Pogba in in games like these, he's usually, he usually makes his appearance. He usually does really well. He makes his presence uh, felt, but Bruno Fernandes, he he's been that glue. He has been that player that he's been the guy that Manchester United were expecting Paul Pogba to be back in 2016 when he signed with the club. And let's look at it this way. In the last 10 months, Bruno Fernandes has been the MVP for Manchester United. He's been there yeah. uh, goal-scoring-wise, providing the assists, Just his appearance there as a facilitator, as a playmaker, distributing the ball, holding possession, waiting for the, the wingers, uh, the, the rest of the attack to join the, the final third. He's He has the ability to do it all, and he's been that guy. Unfortunately, they weren't able to score on the night, but his presence was definitely felt and Manchester United, they're really, really, really grateful, thankful, fill in all of the above to have a player like Bruno Fernandes on this team because without him, they'd be in deep, deep, deep trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, you think that would be a different game if it, if he weren't on the field? I would think yeah. so. Um,
1: I, I, in, in this game in particular, where, where Manchester United were really strong on defense, maybe not, but throughout... I don't think they would be a Champions League team going into this season without Bruno Fernandes because the, the, the impact, the performances that he's had um, or that he had in the last half of last season, he, he was a huge piece. He was a huge impact player to, to them finishing in the top four. But this year, he's really going to be the main reason why that they do or if they do uh, finish in the top four, he's going to be
0: the main reason why. All right, let's move on to another game that we wanted to talk about. This was a midweek fixture. This was Tottenham versus Liverpool. The top, definitely the top two in the standings or top. Yeah, the top two in the standings. I was right. See, there you go. And we were all we were all anticipating this game to be an absolute cracker. Rui, what can you say about this game? It was a great
1: match on both sides. Uh, When you look at the possession stats, even the shots or whatever it is, uh, Liverpool seemed to be the more dominant side. They had the more opportunities. They had the more possession. Uh, Hugo Lloris was really on his toes throughout this entire game, but I thought that the majority of the shots that Liverpool had taken or that they took were kind of easy for... Hugo Lloris, the, the Tottenham defense, the midfield press, Hoiberg, he, uh, the the new acquisition from Southampton for Tottenham has been so essential this year, really helping out with the with the Tottenham uh, defense. Liverpool um, obviously played really well, but their Opportunities on net were not as threatening as we tend to see when we look at their goals that they scored. Mosala's first goal was just a lucky deflection that happened to go into the top uh, corner of the net. Hugo Lloris couldn't have done anything about that. Alderveld, Eric Dyer, they did really well defending the shot. It just happened to go in and fall into the top corner. And then in the 90th minute, uh, Roberto Fermino's goal. Was just you know maybe a, a mental lapse on a set piece, but uh, obviously Tottenham have to do better on that. But throughout the entire game, throughout the entire all the 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 talent that Liverpool have have, and you know just their midfield, their attack, everything. Even though they don't have uh, Joe Gomez and Virgil Van Dyke, there's so much talent. There's so much yeah. uh, depth on that team to compensate the missing pieces. Tottenham did fantastic uh, on the defensive part Did you know, just holding Liverpool from scoring goals that they would score against all the other, the other teams. Team. Yeah. They, they looked so well-structured, so well-organized, so well-disciplined. And, you know, it just took kind of a lucky deflection. It took a set piece goal to, for them to beat a team like Tottenham and you know tottenham even even not having as much possession and not having as many shots put on uh, on Allison's goal, Tottenham did look threatening throughout this match. They did even though they only had twenty five percent of the ball possession. they looked threatening every single time they were able to get the ball into the final third. It was just like okay, Van Dyke is not there, Joe Gomez is not there. Tottenham really took advantage of that, and they took advantage of the inexperienced defense that Liverpool have mm-hmm. in this game, obviously. And they made their opportunities well felt as as possible. And it was unfortunate for them to not really go ahead late into the second half with Berge, uh, with Birdwine, uh, strike, where he was one on one with Allison and it ended up hitting off the post. And when we look back at that moment. Maybe if it was Sean or Harry Kane with that opportunity, maybe they would have put that ball away and the game would have been completely different from there on out. The tactics, the approach from there on out would have been so much more different. But unfortunately for Tottenham, it didn't play out that way. Bergewein did miss that golden opportunity and Liverpool just went on the attack and they got their goal when it mattered most. And who knows what could have happened if that goal actually went in when Virgeline was one-on-one with Allison but that's football and that's what happens and you have to make the most of all the opportunities that you get Tottenham even though they don't get as many opportunities as they as they should or as they do in normal games they have to make the most of it um, because of the approach that they have towards the game, they're much more defensive. They rely on the counter attack, and they have to be much more efficient on their opportunities compared to the rest of the, uh, to the rest of the attacking uh, the more attacking style teams. So um, Tottenham really missed out on that opportunity. They could have went up two to one, and maybe could have possibly walked away with three points or even a draw at minimum. So uh, when we look at at, at that at that point of the game it, it, it could really cost the uh, Tottenham throughout the entire season
0: yeah and I, I know that there was a little controversy at the end of the game too right Rui wasn't Mourinho getting mad at Klopp for for celebrating so much yeah
1: yeah some sort of like uh the way that Klopp was handling himself after uh the, they, they took the lead and late on in the match and and mudinho you know how Mourinho is he's not afraid to to call anyone out yeah, for whatever not. or no say way. whatever it is that's on his mind but at the end of the day Mourinho's boys failed to turn up at the uh at w- when it mattered most and liverpool Klopp's guys you know the, the the mentality that he instills on those players they were able to prevail in in this uh in this match
0: Uh, Before we move on to the to the next game, really, let's uh, I just want to what was that stat that you were telling me earlier about Tottenham? And I think that that it spoke so much to how Mourinho changed the team. It was expected goals and expected allowed goals. Right.
1: So so we saw going on into this season, especially in the in the first 10 games, Tottenham were in second in terms of XG. now. XG the XG stat is a stat that is calculated by teams that are expected to score goals given the opportunities, the positioning, et All cetera, that. et cetera that the team has when they strike the ball towards net. So the XG rating is calculated by the 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 difficulty of the shot, the positionings of the shot from the strikers. You know, it's Goals that you're expected to score, that's how it's calculated. So obviously the higher the percentage, the more efficient your attack is. And then the XGA is the goals allowed. So it's basically in reverse. It's how good you are defensively. So Tottenham going in into the first nine games of the season, they were number one on XGA and number two on XG. So goals forward, they were number two. So uh, I know we're in week 12 or or week 13, whatever it is, but Tottenham were not overachieving. They're not overperforming. As much as people want to criticize Moutinho's style of play, they have been performing at the most maximum level, and they've been playing really good football. Lately, since then, since uh, match day nine, they have dipped a little bit in in on both aspects, but they're still really good, and they're still within the top five range in the EPL on both sides, which is something that's really, really, really terrifying uh, for, for most support, uh, uh, opponents. So they've been playing really good football, and they've been really maintaining that level of form. So it's going to be... It's going to be really something to watch towards the end of the season, how long they're able to uh, to to perform at this level, and if Tottenham do perform at this level, it's going to be a really tight race at the end uh, by the end of the season.
0: Right, and uh, I mean, I think that 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 stat more than anything just speaks to how Mourinho has really organized this team. So that I thought that that was really interesting. So thank you for that, Rui. Really. Um, a couple of other games I just want to touch up on uh, in the EPL, and they both involved Chelsea, and that was uh, Chelsea lost to Everton this past weekend. I thought that that was a little bit of a shocker. And then they also lost to Wolves. Um, I know Rui and I are kind of a little bit Wolves fanboys. Do you have anything to say about that game, Rui? Chelsea dusted. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped five out of the
1: last possible points. Chelsea, we all thought that. What's going on here? Yeah, what is going on here? Um, That match against the Wolves, the Wolves really needed that win. They really, really needed that win. Uh, As of lately, they have not been playing at their top, top level. But that win against Chelsea really showed that they're able to compete against the best in the EPL. And look at that. That, that last goal in the last, literally the last minute because there was yeah, only was. five minutes to play of extra time and they scored in the 95th minute and Pedro Neto, a young, young player, uh, Portuguese player, obviously has to be if you That's play great. for Wolves, with a cool calm, <laughs> with so much power finish in the 95th minute giving the wolves the 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 win that they needed most and it was so so important for them to to kind of compete into that european spot because when we look at the standings in the EPL from 10th place to 1st only separates it, it's only separated by 8 points that's that's really yeah. not a lot and that when you look at 10th to 4th it's only 4 points so it's really, really competitive from the mid table, from actually the first half up. It's really, really competitive, and yeah, even, you need all
0: the points you can get.
1: Even us on Villa at eleventh place, Crystal Palace at 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 a twelfth place, they're only ten points. Crystal Palace is only ten points from Liverpool, and we're you know only thirteen games in, so it, it's still really tight. The the title race is really tight. The top four race is really tight. And also the Europa League places are still really tight. There's so much to be played and it's really, really competitive. So uh, given the whole spiel that's going on in the EPL, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham look to be the most favorite teams to win the league, but there's so much there's this uh this group of teams that can really be competitive for those final uh two spots in the champions league and also there's even more teams that are going to be competing for those final el spots the uh, europa league spots
0: yeah i'm pulling for you wolves don't let me down that was a great off oh, what a nice strike that was a that was a strikers finish right there that was a beautiful beautiful goal well taken good job wolves And we will see more action from the EPO this weekend, I'm sure. But let's rewind a little bit and let's switch countries altogether. As a matter of fact, let's talk about La Liga. And let's talk about the big games that happened over there this past weekend and this week. First up, the Madrid Derby. Atletico versus Real Madrid. Oh, boy like two teams that absolutely hate each other you really could not ask for a more exciting fixture and it turned out to be extremely successful for real madrid um even though a lot of people say that they're not firing at all cylinders really what do you got to say about this game
1: it was a must need win for real madrid it was a great performance i think they look the sharp they look good looked looked really sharp. They capitalized on all of their opportunities. How about that Carvajal strike from the outside of the box being gone all black. This was all Real Madrid, let's face it. From the beginning of the match to the end, Real Madrid were really really dominant. I think Zinedine Zidane was a just like in the Munchen Gladbach the final game of the group stage he was on top of his tactics and his approach and he went the same way into this game as he did in that Munchen Gladbach game he understands that with teams like Munchen Gladbach with teams like Atletico who like to play it short who are much more defensive will play much more deep that they need to pressure the the defense the the opposition's defense keep that high line up keep the pressure up from the midfield keep the attackers the the the, the wingers uh Karim Benzema keep pressuring that defense make them force the ball to play long and that's exactly what I'd that's like what to happened. go what That's exactly what Atletico were doing the entire game. They were playing the ball long, and Real Madrid were really, really intense. They were really aggressive on pressing, and whenever Atletico had the ball, there was a Real Madrid attacker—let's put the defense aside—either an attacker
0: or 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 a midfield
1: player— In the first third or the second third of Atletico Madrid, they were there. They were occupying the space. They were putting the pressure, and they were just forcing this ball long. And Juan Felix was non-existent in this game, and this is the guy that they are relying on to maintain the possession, to hold the possession so the attackers can gain, um, so they, they can keep up with him and get forward. He wasn't able to do that. The defense was great for Real Madrid. Midfield was great. The attack was great. Everything was great. They were able to capitalize on the on the opportunities that they got. And it was a well-deserved victory. Uh, you know, Atletico only had one great opportunity in this match when it was one nothing to Real Madrid. And Thomas Lamar had the golden opportunity. And yeah. He wasn't able to capitalize on an open net. Yep, and the cost of them, maybe it could have changed the entire game. Maybe it could have... I don't know. It, it it could have changed the entire game. Who knows? But that was the opportunity that Atletico needed, and they weren't able to get it. And the moment that Luis Suarez was taken out, Joan Felix was taken out, you knew that, that, that Diego Simeone was beaten, and they were deflated. Coke, I think, um, not Coke. I'm sorry. Uh, Saul should have been putting on... At least a little bit earlier, or he should have started this game. I think this was a game that Atletico Madrid should have went back to their four four two formation with, you know, um, Saul on the left, um, you know, like the left midfield role. Yeah. Maybe Coke on the right midfield role, or you can throw Llorente in there and then throw Coke in the midfield with uh, Lucas Torreira or whoever it may be, or or Hector Herrera. I think. I think Diego Simeone got this wrong, just from the beginning to the end. The approach, the formation, everything—he just really failed on this uh, uh, on this match today. I think Zinedine Zidane really exposed him and got the absolute best. And this was not Diego Simeone's night, and this was not Atletico Madrid's night.
0: Yep, that is. I agree. With all of that, but I wanted to go back to one moment in the in the game that you you kind of brought up in my mind, and that was the first goal that Casemiro sco- scored. He was totally unmarked in on that set piece no, and for a team that prides itself so much on defense. Rui really, to not have someone on him in the box from a corner, and he scores that header near post, I believe. Like what? Yep. What did, what? I what think, goes on for that? I think that sort of thing
1: to happen. It, it, and it wasn't like there was some sort of a pick, and roll, You know, like in no, basketball, there were two defenders right there. Yeah, there was two or at least three defenders right there, and it just seemed like they they misjudged, they miscalculated, they miss what misinterpreted the whole shebang and. Casemiro, credit to him. Great strike from the head on, on a set piece. It, it happens sometimes in football, and as great of a defense as Atletico Madrid have. They've been stupendous in La Liga this year. Things like this happen, and sometimes it happens against the biggest clubs, but you have to recover, you have to recuperate, you have to be much more clinical atletico madrid could have had could have had the chance to equalize this game they should have had the chance to equalize this game given the talent given the coach yeah given, given everything that yeah. goes on on this on this team the form that they've been on in la liga they should have capitalized and and at least tied the game and they weren't able to and they were really non-existent so it's much more beyond than the goal that they let in it was just their overall performance throughout the match was not really good. And Real Madrid credit to them, uh, as a team, a team that is sometimes inconsistent or up and down as they have been, uh, I guess from last year, even though they won the league last year, but from last year into this year, this was a great performance. So, uh, you gotta, you gotta tip your hats to Real Madrid and they're keeping the, uh, the competition live for uh, for the La Liga.
0: Yeah, yep, that is very true. Um, so, just to continue on, um, Atletico play what Alche tomorrow, uh, tomorrow yes. morning. Uh, we're we are recording, recording this on Friday night. It's Friday, we're, it's a Friday night. They're playing at eight AM tomorrow morning. Um, and um, aside from beating Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid also beat Athletic Bilbao three to one. And that brings us to the other midweek game that we wanted to talk about, uh, just briefly, and that was Barcelona versus Real Sociedad. Who Barcelona knocking off points from the, what we thought were real title contenders? Barcelona winning two to one. Rui, do you have anything to say about this game? This this is their this is technically Real Sociedad's first first loss in the last five games. Yeah, uh,
1: first loss in uh, in many, many games for Real Sociedad. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of a trend. I know a few weeks back I was talking so highly of them. Maybe this could be the year that they could win it. And this is definitely the year that a team from outside of the top three could win the La Liga title. Still believing and that? You still believe I, that? I do. I unfortunately I cannot believe it any longer. I think this was a, <laughs> a a huge a huge test for Real Sociedad. They have a great team. They have a lot of talented players. They have a lot of depth too as well, but Barcelona came out with their guns blazing. They played one of the best games that we've seen in La Liga for quite some time and this was a huge difference maker for where they're going to end up in La Liga. I think this is going to give Barcelona a little bit more of a chance to win La Liga a little bit. I don't think,
0: I don't think they will win
1: it, but it definitely enhances their chances of finishing in top four. This was a match that they really, really needed because I know at the end of the season, these three points are going to pay off. They're really going to make a huge, huge difference for when they where they finish in in La Liga by the end of the season so um, huge win for Barcelona I think this was a really really good performance Real Sociedad took an early lead but Barcelona really responded quickly within five minutes they were able to equalize the the scoreline and by halftime, they were able to to take the lead, and they finished the game off strong, maintaining that two to one lead and and getting those crucial three points and closing that gap in uh, top four and in also in um, in La Liga, the uh, first place uh, squad, uh, Atletico Madrid.
0: That's right, and you know that you know this has been an incredibly bizarre year when Jordi Alba scores with his right foot. In in like top bin, like top yeah. bin goal, you know, beautiful strike. It was a beautiful strike, but Jesus, like you just don't, that this will probably be the only time ever that I will be saying that, you know, like I, that he scored with his right foot top bin goal. Like you just, <laughs> I'm never, I'm probably never going to say this again. So 2020, very very interesting year for for a number of reasons, and that is one of them. All right, let's move on to league. <laughs> Sorry, I think I, I think I said legume very very well right there. I, I like really convinced myself that I knew French. Um, the big game that we wanted to talk about in this league was PSG versus Lyon and. Leon capitalizing, getting all three points versus the champions PSG. Rui, what do we got to say about this game? PSG disaster class. And <laughs> Didn't Leon get a... I think Lyon got a red card in this match too. Yeah,
1: Thiago, Thiago Mendes did get one in like the 98th minute or whatever it was. It was I was just so had
0: to go fuck off or something. <laughs>
1: right is that a little jab to the Napoli fans joe
0: no 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 seriously that's probably what that's probably like you you get you get a yellow or a red for basically saying anything nowadays really so that
1: that is true that is true um but you got to give credit to olympic leon leon oh jeez i'm butchering leon here uh (laughs) olympic Lyonnais. George Rodrigues, the founder of North America uh, Olympic Leon Fan Club, don't take any offense, brother. Uh, (laughs) He's been a recurring guest on our show. George, I'm ecstatic for you, man, and you proved me wrong. I'm going to admit on the podcast, you called me out on Twitter. I had a prediction last week. He called me out too. PSG, PSG, were going to win this game, and they didn't. I thought that the talent. The firepower, the, I don't know, the mentality, I don't know, uh, was going to get them through. Let's be honest. Yeah, I I mean, you look at the talent that PSG has, it's just, I mean, no disrespect to Lyon, they have have great talent, they have great players, but PSG just have that firepower. They're coming off a huge win in the Champions League. You would think that, like, yeah, they're going to carry it on to this derby match this was not the case whatsoever i think psg's attack were non-existent lyon's midfield was superb really just just like in the coupe de league match back in uh, july i believe it was in july even though that lyon weren't the winners it went to the penalty kicks but their midfield once again stood tall and did not did not buckle to PSG. They they really gave it their all. They stood tall against the Giants, and they they gave their absolute maximum. They played a great game. I think Hossam Owar, even Thiago Mendes, despite him getting sent off in the last minute, he was superb. Um, the defense as well for Lyon, uh, Jason Denier, and even Marcelo, Great, great, great performances! Rock solid. There was nothing that PSG was able to do. They only had one shot throughout the entire game. Neymar was non-existent. Marco Verratti was really suppressed in the midfield. Moise Kean, who has been having a really good year so far at PSG, was non-existent as well. I thought this is a five-star performance out of five stars for for, for Leon. Yeah, they capitalized. Win. They capitalized on the mistake that that PSG made in the midfield, and Kadeware really buried that opportunity with a uh, with cool, common and collectiveness, and that that that's really what made the difference. Lyon were able to capitalize on their high press. They got the interception. They were able to force PSG to make the mistake. And I think it was Toko and Cambe with the assist, and it was great execution. And that's the goal that Lyon needed. And when we look at the table right now, uh, Lyon definitely, definitely needed this win. At yeah, they one did. point behind PSG, and with that win over PSG, that forced Lille to play uh, to to take over first place. And guess who PSG is playing against this weekend? It it's is. Leo. Leal. So this could be. This could be. If Lyon get their shite together and win this weekend, they can take first place if Lille and PSG draw. So this is going to be really, really exciting stuff. Leal are in fantastic form. Uh yeah, Leon have really flipped a switch in the last four or five games in League O. And I hope they continue to do it. And George, credit to you, man. I hope you guys just push for the title race and most importantly finish in uh, a champions league spot because there's no champions league without uh leon
0: <laughs> i like how maybe you, i'm, you I'm
1: over exaggerating uh joe i don't a know a
0: little bit just a little bit but, <laughs> but well, let's um, put it this way let's put
1: it this way there's no champion oh, okay uh how am i gonna put this uh, uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> See For you a say League- that
1: sounded like it was a bunch Hold of. Hold on. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. For a Champions League with a French team, it has to be Lyon.
0: There you there you go. Right. See, eh, you fixed that. Yeah, that was good. I like that. <laughs> um no, but honestly, Lyon stuck to a game plan. Yeah, they fantastic. Boom. See, that's kind of like the opposite of like what Atletico did. Atletico had a plan, but they fucked up. Leon, <laughs> to their plan and it worked. No, really. Like sometimes it it sounds really stupid, but sometimes that's that's just how it happens. So yep. that will be a very very interesting game, leo and PSG. I, I I think that that'll that could be a very high scoring game. leo has been has been great, like great to watch lately. So let's uh, let's hope for the best with that game. That is actually one of our one of our premier fixtures of this weekend. Um Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about those going the matches going into Saturday and into Sunday. So we have Southampton versus Man City, Tottenham versus Leicester City, Man United versus Leeds United in the EPL. Then we have Atalanta versus Roma, Lazio versus Napoli in Serie A, Barcelona and Valencia in La Liga. That should be an interesting one. Leverkusen and Bayern in the Bundesliga. That'll be a big one. And Leo and PSG, like I already mentioned. So those will be the ones that you really have to look forward to this weekend. You know what? I, I, I totally skipped over city. Ah, Rui. Your guys tied this week. Um, AC Milan tied Genoa this week, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you uh, feel about that? Like that's, this is their second drawn two games, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: that, that, that's correct. I, um, uh, I'm not happy with the result. This is not
0: a jab at them. I'm just – do you think that they're – do you think Milan's losing any sort of steam right now? Uh, I don't
1: don't think so, Joe, and I'm going to tell you why. Against Parma, we hit the post four times in a game. We should have won that game. I'm sorry. We were playing so well. We were were maintaining our heads even though things weren't going great. You can say the same thing uh, in this past week where we should have just – like we were we were trailing, and we would come back. And even when we were tied, we were able to uh, to you know just maintain our cool, maintain our game plan, maintain our strategy, and still play a really good game. This is something that we haven't been able to see from Milan in many many years. Usually, when we fall behind, when we when things aren't going right in general, we never persevere. We never prevail. We never get at least a draw when we should have, when we drop three points. We don't come away with wins when we settle for draws. This year is different. Even though the last two games we drew, we've been playing really well. We've been fighting really hard till the end, and we've been coming back from deficits. And I think that's that's a promising sign. I think that's something that champions do, even though... You know, maybe we're not at that level, but I think the mentality is. Oh, no,
0: 100% agree. Sometimes you need to, sometimes you draw ugly or you win ugly, you know? Yeah. So, but the thing is, is,
1: you have to take it by the circumstance. Sometimes in football, you're unlucky and you fall behind to nothing. Yeah. You just do, and you're like, what the? You're like, the, the WTF, what do I do? Milan had been in those situations this year multiple times. And even in the past, I don't know, six months since the return of the lockdown, we've been there with Juventus, we've been there with Verona, we've been there with Parma, down two to nothing, and we're able to claw our way back and get some sort of result. That's something that was unheard of with Milan prior to the to the lockdown, prior to Piali. So there's something there at Milan that is much more unique where our worst results, our worst stretch of the season so far are these two consecutive draws.
0: Honestly, that's it. Yeah, that's it.
1: And you can ask any big club that they'll take it. So we have to go out and respond and get these, uh, get these three points in the next
0: match. Yeah. And you guys are playing Sassuolo this weekend. Uh, I think that that could be a big a big test. Sassuolo is not a pushover club, honestly no, nope. they're not. They've been playing really well. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be very interesting to watch. I you see we we just I almost went an episode without talking about Sadia. It It's impossible. Can't allow that to happen. So Rui, that is literally all that I have. Is there anything else that we could possibly think of to add? Uh, i'm all decked
1: out it's friday night joe i'm gonna go have me a glass of wine and i'm gonna amen. enjoy the rest of the night so amen
0: to that i hear Make you Take us
1: out my fr- my brother
0: all right thank you all so 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 much for listening to this episode we really appreciate it if you liked what you heard please give us a like a follow a subscribe a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening to us on and If you wouldn't mind, please shoot over to Twitter and follow us on our Twitter page at RCR underscore podcast and give us a follow. We would really appreciate it. Send us a message. Tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't like, tell us what we can improve. Maybe you can even give us a future episode idea. Anyway, we will get back to you guys, and as always, we will see you on the next episode.